in our Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to spend our time this morning, Romans chapter 8. We, uh, we, we just heard the resurrection account as Alistair uh, shared that with us a few minutes ago. And now we're going to be looking at uh, the power in the resurrection and what, what's been accomplished through the resurrection. We, uh, this, when Jesus died, you know, he didn't just stay dead, right? He, he rose victoriously. And that, that resurrection provided something. And, that, and it's so, so necessary for us to know that. So we're in Romans 8, if you turn there in your Bibles. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 17 together. I'll pray for us, I'll read that, and then we'll, we'll get to work. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be here today. We're so grateful to uh, come together in unity, God, worshiping a risen Savior. It's, you're, you're the risen Savior. And, and God, so we commit our hearts to you, and we commit this time to you. God, we ask that you would, would open our hearts and minds to be receptive and, and understanding of what, what was accomplished through the power of the resurrection. God, we must understand that without the resurrection, our faith would be worthless. So God, help us to embrace the resurrection and embrace, God, what you want to give us through faith in Jesus Christ. Guide us through your word today. Guide us into truth. Guide us to, towards obedience, God, away from uh, places that we have been in maybe sin or in rebellion. God, help us to be convicted of that by your spirit today. God, move us to a place of, of faithfulness to you. We want to repent of those things and move towards you. So we trust you with our time today. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Romans 8, we'll begin there at verse 1 and go through 17. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live, in, live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mind, of, uh, the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. The mind set of the flesh is hostile towards God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unstable or unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through, the, through his spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, uh, you are going to die. But if you live by the spirit and put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, 
heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of God. Today we are going to look at the power of the resurrection. And uh, I, I mentioned this verse a minute ago uh, as I prayed, but, but it's so important. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3-4, through 4, Paul writes this. He says, I passed on to you as most important. How important? Most important. The, the mostest important, right? The various bestest importantness. Like, focus on this. It should get our attention when Paul says something like that. I've, I passed on to you what is most important. He says, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Amen? That is the most important. If we think of anything that's important, this is the most important, that Christ, he, was, he, was, he died, right? And he was buried, and he didn't stay buried, that he rose from the grave three days later, just as the scriptures had foretold. That's of utmost importance. And then it goes on, Paul says later on in verse 17, and there's a lot of theology in between, you can study that on your own, but this is really key. If that's most important, then, then verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, if Christ has not, if the most important thing hasn't happened, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. So important for us to see this, and to, and to recognize the importance of the depth of Christ's sacrifice, right? His death, his burial, but, but ultimately his resurrection. Because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness of sins. We are, would still be in our sins. So looking at our text today, we're, we're looking at the power of the resurrection. And look at number one, point number one on your, your bulletin there. It says this, the power of the resurrection condemned sin through Christ. Because he lives, because he rose from the dead, sin has been defeated. And I, and I realize that word condemned is interesting. I left it in here on purpose, though, uh, because we think, oh, he's condemning sin. We, we shouldn't sin. He condemns sin. He can, I, like, like a dad and a kid, I know that with my kids. Like, I, I condemn that sin. Don't do that. That's not what it's saying here. Although he does condemn sin, he, we shouldn't sin. What he's saying is he defeated sin. Sin has been defeated. He looked at sin and said, sin, you have no power anymore. I'm on the scene, and I'm giving myself what would be seemingly under your authority and power, but I'm going to raise victoriously and I'm going to conquer sin. So sin, you have been defeated. That's, that's what's happened through the power of the resurrection. Because Christ rose, he defeated sin. Because he lives, death has no more hold. Not on him and through faith in him, not on us either. So he condemned sin. The power of the res resurrection condemned sin through Christ or defeated sin or rendered it powerless through Christ. Look at Romans 8 again, verses 1 through 8. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. See how we get this? He condemned sin so there would be no condemnation because of sin on us. There's no condemnation on those or for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's a requirement here, right? It's just not, hey, I died. It's all good. It's all washed away. It's like I died for you who would believe. I died for you who would put your faith and trust in me for those who would be found in Christ Jesus. Because if we're not found in Christ Jesus, we don't have the resurrection power over sin. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, I want to see here, there are two laws at work. As we go through this text, you're going to hear a lot of spirit, flesh, death, life, like contrasting back and forth. Kind of gets confusing, kind of sounds monotone. We don't want that to happen. 
There's two laws at work here. It says here there's the law of sin and death. And there's another law, the law of the spirit of life that is in Jesus Christ. So we have sin and death, and we have the spirit and, the, and, and life in Jesus Christ. It goes on. For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh. Here, here's the important thing to understand. When we talk about sin, and we talk about it being condemned and defeated, it is not defeated by us. We have no power within ourselves to defeat that. It said what the law couldn't do. Well, here's what the law says. The law says you and I need to follow the law. It sets it out there. Here's the law. It's really rigorous. It's hundreds of laws, and it gave Israel hundreds of laws to follow. And what he wants to tell us is this. Look at how big the law is, and look at how big of a lawbreaker you're going to be. That's what he's saying. The law is powerless to provide you or me with life, because under our own power, we are powerless to follow the law. We're all lawbreakers. You think about that. Even Jesus talked about that on the Sermon on the Mount, right? He, he talked about this idea of murder. He says, hey, you've heard it said you shouldn't murder. But what did he say? He says, but what, what I mean is this. If you've lust or not lust, if you've hated your brother in your heart, you've already committed murder, right? So he's saying, I, I tell you, it's deeper than that. It's a heart condition, a heart thing. And he talked about adultery, right? That's where the lust comes in. He says, don't commit adultery. You're like, oh, I'm good. I've never committed adultery. So, well, you've heard it said that, but I tell you, the person who's looked lustfully after another has what? Already committed adultery in their heart. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, if I'm looking, if I'm being honest with just those two rules, two, murder and adultery, I am guilty. I mean, I have children, so, I mean, murder, it's like, you know, no, I don't you know what I'm saying? Like, you get in your mind, like, oh, you're so angry. That's one of the things we teach. Like, I don't want to ever discipline my children in anger. i got to be able to step out of that because I, I need to get that murderous heart under check and check. I'm a lawbreaker. Ever been that angry with somebody? Yeah, we're all lawbreakers, right? How about adultery? I've never, ever touched another woman. My wife is my wife. But man, my eyes. Man, they, it, I don't want, my heart, it wants to wander. I'm a lawbreaker. I'm a lawbreaker. Just two rules. I, I, and I'm being honest, so maybe you can be honest. That the, the law is powerless. And you with the law are powerless to fulfill the law. We can't keep it. We can't do it on our own. We're powerless. But look at what it says here. What the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh. Wait a second. Thank you. You can take this moment to silence your cell phones and iPads. So we'd appreciate that. The exits are in the front and back. And, uh. Sorry about that. It was my alarm. It's okay. It's 11 o'clock. We all know now. Going back, the law is powerless, right? We are powerless to keep the law and to, to, to fulfill the law because we're all lawbreakers. But what the law couldn't do since it was weakened by the flesh, what it means is your flesh and my flesh, in our flesh, we can't fulfill the law. We can't live up to the standard that God has set to be perfect. He is perfect. He says, be, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Here, here's the truth. We have all sinned. Every single one of us has sinned and thus separated ourselves from God. We are no longer in a right relationship with God. It, it's been broken and severed because of our rebellion, because of our sin. And we can't just fix that on our own. But praise God that he provides a way. Because we can't do it on our own. It says the law is powerless since we're weakened by the flesh. 
Here's the promise. God did. What the law couldn't do, what you and I couldn't do, God did. And that's what Easter is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. God did what you couldn't do. God did what I couldn't do. God did what the the law was powerless to accomplish for us. God did. And it says he condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering. You and I are separated from God and the wages of our sin is death and separation from God forever. But God wants us to be with him. So God made the way. God did it. He sent his own son. God came in in the flesh and he put on flesh so that he could die where I was supposed to die. That he he put he was he, he put he died and uh, the death that I deserved to die, that you deserved to die. He was placed on that cross. And I should have been there. So he offered himself. He was a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us. He did it. God, write this down in your notes. Remember this. God did what you couldn't do. And he did it for you. God did it for you. Stop stop trying it on your own. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. Stop trying to earn it on your own. Stop trying to be good enough on your own, look good enough. You're not, and I'm not, but God is. He goes on. He says, he did it for those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's got to be a change of heart here. He says, I'm not going to do this on my own anymore. I'm going to trust in the Spirit of God to do it for me. He says, now the mindset of the flesh is death. If, I, if that's where my mindset goes, if all I'm going to do is try to work and earn and do, be better, it just leads to death. But the mindset of the Spirit, when we put our faith and trust in Him and what He has done, the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Anyone need some life and peace? Like you look at the world, the whole world does. We all do. We need life and peace that is found through faith in Jesus Christ, that is found by the Spirit of the risen Savior who conquered sin and death once and for all. He goes on and says, the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. It's against God. But God came in. He, he wanted to do this work for us. He says, indeed, we are unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Listen, we cannot please God. There's nothing good or good enough in us. And the law proves us all to be law breakers. It sounds like we're hosed then, right? Shouldn't this be a happy service, a a life-giving service, a resurrection service? Of course. And we see this in Romans 3. But now, there's our thing, but now, right? With all that bad news, the fact that we can't live up, we can't measure up, we can't do it on our own. With all that bad news, but now, apart from the law. Thank you, can I get a thank you, Jesus? Apart from the law. Like, you don't have to follow, you don't have to figure it out, you don't have to be perfect anymore. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. God's righteousness. What we, that's the requirement that we're perfect and pure. We're righteous. His righteousness has been revealed. And it's been attested by the law and the prophets. It's like it's measured up for us. It says the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. That righteousness that he offers is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who would believe. To all who would believe, since there's no distinction, for all have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. But they are justified freely, given this righteousness from God, freely by his grace through the redemption, the payment, the atonement that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, it's through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and that's the, the best thing. As you're here today, as you sit here, and, and for, there's many different people here today in different, different places and walks in life. Maybe you've been here once every three weeks or so, and you're like, oh, I'm kind of getting the routine. I like church. I like the shoulder, you know, rubbing, rubbing elbows with people and kind of, kind of belonging somewhere. Maybe you're like, I just love Jesus so much. I don't, I don't care where I am at. I want to be in his presence and with his people. Maybe you're here as like, if I go on Easter Sunday, maybe he'll, he'll pardon me. He'll, he'll accept me and I'll be okay. We talked to someone this week who thought that, you know, if, if we give the church a deal on something, maybe that gets them some rewards in heaven. That's not how it works, right? So there's different places that we're at here, but, but the real place should be that you and I come here to hear from God's word and be instructed to turn from our own efforts and to believe, to trust, to let his love cover my sin. To let what he has accomplished be enough for me because it is more than enough for you. We're justified freely by his grace. What do we need to be justified from? Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Punishment has to be made. And, and I've said this many times before, but if you think about the nature of God, we think, oh, God is love. He's a loving God. He's, he's so great. He won't, he won't send anybody to hell. Listen, we are all sinful and we are all on that road on our own without God sending us there. But God is rich in mercy, and he did the work for us that, that we could turn to him and believe and reach up and say, I want you, I need you, save me. And he's faithful to do that. The wages of sin is death. If God was just all loving and all, all, like, all just let it go, then he wouldn't be God because he wouldn't be just. He wouldn't be holy. He wouldn't be perfect. He'd be passive and kind of this chill hippie guy which he couldn't be the eternal self-existent one. It goes against his nature not to be just. And so he has to punish sin. And so you and I are all condemned already. But God sent his son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So you and I don't, don't sit and try to obey the law and try to figure it out and earn our way. We can't. We just trust in Jesus. We trust in Jesus. He has defeated sin and death through the power of his resurrection. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. He hasn't saved you according to how good you are or how good you think you are. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and his grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He knew you before the foundations of the world. And he said, I love them. I love you. And I'm going to set Jesus up to come and to, to die for you. And that will be because of my purposes. And he says, because of my grace, it will be given to you through Jesus Christ. And now he goes on and says, this has now been made evident. So what was planned before the foundation of the world has now been made evident. Do you see it that way? Do you, do you see clearly that way? It's been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, right? He, he defeated death. He, he condemned sin and death and brought to life or brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
Do you see it? Can you see him that way? Has it been made clear to you, made evident to you? I, I pray that it has. I pray that I'm making that evident to you. Jesus is everything, and he's all you need. And we all need him. He's right here. He's, he, he's ready. He's ready to be believed in. He's ready to be trusted. He's ready for you to be, find him most satisfying. He's ready for that. Has, has it been revealed that you aren't ready to stand before him because of your own sin? I've, has it been revealed that you must put your faith and trust in him and not in yourself? It's, it's now is the time to do that. It's been brought to light. Can you see it? Can you see that you need him? And I would say this, stop trying other saviors. Stop. They don't work. Stop trying other saviors. They all are as good as dead. You know why? Because there's only one Savior that died and then rose back to life. There's only one Savior that conquered death and lives. And he says, he promises that because he lives, we can live too. We, we hold so tightly, we hold so tightly to the things of this world and in this life that actually won't bring life. We cling to our goodness. We cling to our heritage. We cling to our resume. We, we cling to whatever it is out there and say, I, I, I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm working it out. Stop clinging to dead saviors. We, we cling so tightly. In fact, we hold them, we hold them to death. And they will die and they will leave us in our sin as well. We have to let them go. We have to let them die and instead grab on and hold to the one that is alive, the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of the resurrection condemned sin through Jesus Christ. Number two, the power of the resurrection brings life through faith. And we've covered some of that already, right? It brings life through faith. We go back to our Romans passage, looking at verses 9 through 13 of Romans 8. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. I hope that's true of you. I hope you can say that, that I'm not, I'm not in the flesh. I'm not trying to work it out on my own. I'm trying to, I'm trying to just, I, I love Jesus. and let, let him take care of it all. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. How do you know? Well, he promises that when we put our faith and trust in him, when we turn from our dead gods, our dead ways, and we turn to him for life, the one who's done it all, who's, who's died, buried, and risen to life, that we will have life and that he will give us his spirit and his spirit will live in us. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Again, it's not about you looking spiritual. It's not about you trying to find spiritual truth. It's about whether or not you have believed in Jesus Christ and received his gift and the spirit of God lives in you. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, you see that picture? The, the same Spirit that, that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead now lives in those who have faith in him. He lives. He says, if the same Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead, guess what? will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Because he lives and he has the power over death, we live. 
We live. We have life. So, so then, brothers and sisters, we are, we are not obligated to the flesh or to live according to the flesh. You don't have to be a slave to that anymore. You can be free from that and free to love Jesus. Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the, the trying to get ahead, the trying to earn it on your own, you will live. There's this exchange that's happening. My pursuit needs to be abandoned and set aside, and I need to then turn over to God pursuing me. I need to let, let that pursuit of God in my heart take hold, and I need to, to turn and, and let him exchange my endeavors, my goals, my victories, my success, and count them as dead and count them as a loss compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord we turn, we repent from our way, and we turn in faith and believe in the Lord Jesus. Paul writes in Romans 5, he says, so then, as, though, as through one trespass, one sin, as through one sin, there's condemnation for everyone. Again, that's a sad part of the story, right? Adam and Eve sinned, there was a sin, death entered the world, sin entered the world. Through that one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. He says, here's the, here's the good part, though, right? So also, through one righteous act, not yours, not mine, our righteousness is filthy rags, can't be considered a righteous act. Through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. You remember what I, I said about this word justified? When we are justified by the grace of God, when we've been forgiven and we stand before God, that word justified, it's this, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Who gives me goosebumps. Because I know how big of a lawbreaker I am. I know how bad I am. But when, when I receive the, the, the righteousness of Christ, when I am, am forgiven from my sin through faith in Christ, I am now justified and I stand before God. And, and he doesn't see Brandon and his, his total depravity and his, his sin and lawbreaking. He sees the righteousness of Christ, that I've exchanged my filthy rags for Christ's righteous robe. And he clothes me in his righteousness and gives me, gives me a, a clean bill before the Father that I stand before God. And he's like, look at you, all shiny and new. Jesus covered you. And that's done through faith to everyone who believes. See, he, he made the one, Jesus, who did not know sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is so important. This is that righteousness. You and I are not righteous on our own. We are only righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. We can be made righteous through this exchange. But that takes a lot. It takes, see, we, we come, we walk in with some kind of ego and some kind of pride. We approach God with that, saying, I, surely he'll, he'll accept most of me, or these parts of me he'll, he'll certainly accept. And No. We are filthy rags. But he loves you. He pursues you. He's come and lived amongst us and put on flesh, not just to teach and tell us good things, but to die, to give himself for you so you can be made right with God. And Jesus said this, this, this idea of this faith and trusting in him and the life that he, he'll give us. He, he was telling this, the, the woman at the well in John 4, he tells her, he says, everyone who drinks from this water in the well will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Doesn't that sound satisfying? He is satisfying. He's telling that to this, this woman at the well. He said, come to me 
and be satisfied in me and have life. And have life that will overflow and you will always be satisfied in me. Then he's, then he's talking about how, how important it is to, to really believe that he has power over death. And later on in John 11, his, his friend Lazarus had died. And, and Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Mary, they're, they're like, or Mary and Martha, they're, they're like, oh, they're upset and they're frustrated and they're sad. And Jesus was late. He, he could have done something and he didn't. And he gets there and in verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and sometimes we give her a bad time for that. Like, she had no faith. But look at what she says next. Yet, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Like, I wish you would have been here earlier. I wish we wouldn't have had to experience this. I wish you wouldn't have been in the, in the grave so long. He's starting to stink. But I know, I know, whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And she says, well, I, I know that we will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She said, knowing that, that the belief is, yeah, we will, we'll go to sleep, we'll die, you know, die, go to sleep, and we'll eventually rise. And he goes, and Jesus said, I, I am the resurrection and the life, he says. I am the resurrection. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he says this. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you, you believe in me, you will live even though you die. Here's, here's what he says. Here's what he asks. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And I think that question is not just for Martha and those who are around that, that time. That question is for you. That question is for me. Do you believe this? Are you, are you still going to figure out your own way and your own solution? Or do you believe that the one who was crucified for your sins in your place was buried? Death thought, oh, I've got him now. He's done. And then he rose victoriously, victoriously saying, I condemn you, saying, I condemn you, death. You're done. You're defeated. Do you trust in him to give you life? Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God who comes into the world. He said, yeah, you're, you're the answer. You're the, you're the solution. You're the Holy One of God. You are here. We must believe that He alone can give life. So we come to Him and we we're satisfied in Him and we have life. And we believe that He alone is the one that can give life. And then, uh, then it's the even those, right? Because at that moment, people think, oh, my whole life is going to change. Everything's going to be perfect now. I'm so, so great, grateful. And no, your, your soul is content, right? You, you have been satisfied in your soul because you no longer are under the penalty of your own sin. You now can stand before God one day, totally righteous because of Jesus Christ and your faith in Him. But until that day, it's just a, it's all this hope that we have and this joy we have because of what he's done. But it doesn't mean our problems go away. It doesn't mean this world gets better. This world will continue to derail, in fact. But I, I love this, that there is this, even though those things happen, there's this hope that wells up. In Lamentations chapter 3, it says this. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is and then I thought, my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison? I continually remember them and have become depressed. Now listen, a little truth, if we continually remember those things, we're going to be depressed. Like, like we need to like not dwell there. We need to know that's where we came from. 
But, but I love how the lamenter says something here. It goes on and says, even that, though that situation is there, even though I'm, I am just in despair, he says, yet, isn't that great? A great transit. Yet, even though, yet I call this to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Remember we talked about that? He's most satisfying. He's he's the living water. He's my portion. He's all that I need. That's where I find my all in all. And that when we believe uh, he is the one who, who gives life alone, he's the one who gives life so in the middle of our despair, we remember that, and, and, and we remember that he is our portion, and then therefore, because we remember that, because of who he is, therefore, I will put my hope in him. Listen, because of the power of the resurrection, we know that the power of the resurrection brings life to us through faith, and that faith needs to be expressed daily. Moment by moment, despair after despair, hardship after hardship, we must face that with great faith in what the Lord has accomplished through Jesus Christ, His Son. Therefore, we put our hope in Him. What is this ultimate hope? That through the power of God, Christ paid for our sins and He rose victorious to conquer sin and death once and for all, and that he has given us an inheritance through our faith in him. He's given us an inheritance, but it goes further than that. What is the ultimate hope? That, that we are now called brothers and sisters, that he hasn't left us alone. And that leads us to the final point today. The power of the resurrection, number three, makes us part of God's family. Makes us part of God's family. You know, it, it, I think... For a lot of us at different times in our lives, we, we think, okay, yeah, Jesus is awesome. He, 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 he's the one who died for our sins. He's the Savior of the world. He's my Savior. And you really personalize that, and it's like, this is good and whole, and I love it. But here's the issue, I, I, and I, I, I deal with this all the time. I'm sorting some boxes out in my garage. I'm like, you know those boxes that we have in our house? You take them out, like, where did this come from? Christmas, 1999, like, oh, you know, you're, you're looking at the side of the box, or, and you just start taking things out. And what, what is that stuff? What was it? Someone said it. Junk. It's junk. Or it could be memories, though, too, right? There could be good boxes. Trust me. There's those good photo album boxes. They're not junk. But most of the stuff in my boxes is junk. And it's like, what, what was I thinking? Because I bought it at some point, or I had it, or it was gifted to me, and I, I just, what, did I, what, did, what was the problem? I bought it thinking what? This is great. I, I, I need this. And it wasn't even that I needed it now, because the things I needed now aren't in boxes in my garage. I thought, I'll buy this because I need it. Maybe. Maybe. Someday, this looks useful. Bo- boxes full of them. Full of them. I need a yard sale to happen, man. Not to go to, to have. Get this stuff out of here, right? I mean, just a lot of stuff. We think, well, maybe we'll use it one day. Do you realize that we treat Jesus like that? That we, we come and say, oh, yeah, I heard that church that Easter Sunday. And it's like a box, right? Oh, 1999 at 
He was the Savior of the world. Or in 2022, he's, he died for my sins and how great that is. And I, I want that. I believe. I trust him as my Savior. I want him. And what you're really saying is, I, I want him. I need him. One day, maybe. See, we put Jesus on a shelf. We even put what we would consider our salvation on a shelf. It's like, okay, I've got Jesus. And man, I'm, I'm, check that box off. He's there for that day when I ultimately will need him. Listen, you and I need him every single day. Every single day. And, and when we put him on a shelf like that, and we say, oh, he's there eventually when maybe I need him sometime, what we don't experience is what the power of the resurrection brings in this last point. We don't experience that he makes us a part of God's family. That, that when you got that box labeled Jesus and you said, I might need this someday, what you didn't understand is when you got that box, you were an orphan. You had no home. I mean, you have a home maybe where you are, but, but in, in God's kingdom, you had no home. You had no family. You were alone. And then we take that box and we put it on the shelf and we go back to being alone again. It's bigger than that. God says, through the resurrection, I'm going to make you family. I'm going to not leave you as orphans anymore. I'm going to adopt you into the family of God. And you will be brothers and sisters and, and heirs of the kingdom of God and what Christ has given. Do you believe that? Then we live by that. Then we don't put that box and fold it up and tape it and mark it and put it on a shelf. What Christ has given us is life. And that life is transformative today. And he brings us into a family. That's why, that's why the family of God gathers. That's why we begin to be in each other's lives and start to do life together and, and be in community together and, and be vulnerable and transparent so we can grow. And we know that there are others who have come to faith in Christ who have our back as well. And I am going to have theirs. So part of that for you, maybe this Easter is your commitment or your covenant to say, I'm not going to be doing this on my own anymore. I'm going to allow the power of the resurrection bring me into a family of God and I'm going to belong in that family because that's what his resurrection is. One of the things he's accomplishing. Romans 8, 14 through 17. All those led by the Spirit are God's sons and daughters. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear or aloneness or put the box on the shelf. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You know what that means, that word? Daddy. Daddy. I, I, we, we, are, we are children now. We don't have to be adults and have it all figured out anymore. We don't have to be full of ourselves and like, I'll just go back to all kind of my anxiety and fear. No. We're children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We cry out, Daddy, and the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. It's that, hey, yeah, you're mine, you're mine, it's okay, you're mine. I pray that for my own children, for, for them to know me in that way. That they would understand, I, I'm your dad, I love you. No, I, yes, you're going to make mistakes, yes, I'm going to make mistakes, but I love you and I will always be there. And you can always say Daddy to me. That's what our father says, and, and he brings us into this family. He says, uh, his spirit testifies we are God's children, and if children, we are also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. There's an inheritance to be had. There's a family to be a part of. Don't be that family member that when 
when that when the patriarch of the family dies, or that one, you know, the estate now is up for auction, and now that they show up. Oh, I'm 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 family. No, you're blood, but you're not family. Be family. Jesus promised it. John 14, he says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you, and in a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're going to still see me, and because I live, Jesus says, you will live too. Live not as orphans, but as God's children, as God's family the author of Hebrews says this, that Jesus, when he, when he redeemed us, when he, when he went, went and took our place on the cross, that he was not ashamed then to call us brothers and sisters, to let us be adopted into the family. Paul writes in Galatians, when the right time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. He sent him to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. At the right time. When Paul is writing this, he's talking about the right time in human history. It was just the right time. Everything was perfectly aligned for the Son of God to appear and come. But I, I want to make this more personal for you today. At just the right time, God presented himself to you and said, I will be your Savior. Believe and trust in me. At just the right time. And what he wants you to do is find satisfaction in him and believe in him and find your hope in him, he wants you to receive the forgiveness that he offers so that he would not leave you as an orphan, but that he would adopt you as a son or a daughter. It's just the right time. Today is the right time for many of us to remember that we have been adopted as sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ and to rekindle that and renew that. And maybe, maybe you haven't been here for a long time. And I say here, part of the body. I'm not, it's not about like rigorous, you must attend church every Sunday, and if you're late, we're going to give you a tardy slip. It's not about that. My kids get that with a report card. They're missing this many days and tardy this. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you and I belong together, and we belong to one another. And, and it's not about occupying and, and planting your butt in a seat. It's about putting your heart somewhere to belong as part of the family of God. Today is the right time to remember that we are the family of God who have faith in Christ. Today is also the right time for some of you to find new birth today and find a living hope in Jesus Christ alone. I pray you will. At the end of our service time, we're going to have some songs. and You, you can go back to the, the, the room in the back and, and you have someone pray with you and, and encourage them. Let them know your heart. I, I need Jesus. I need to be reborn. Talk to them, pray with them, be encouraged by them, turn in faith to Jesus as Savior. Today is the right day. It's just the right time for that. Peter wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because his great mercy, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Today's the day. How do you accomplish that? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have new birth and a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The dead, and, 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 and we're, then we're into an inheritance that's imperishable. It's undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This family of God will endure all eternity. I want to I be a part of that. I want to belong to that. I want to be a son of that. I want you to be a son and daughter of that through faith in Jesus Christ. He says you are being guarded as sons and daughters, as those that are no longer orphans. 
you are being guarded by God's power through faith in him for salvation. You're being guarded. When we put our faith and trust in him, he's the one that seals the deal. He's the one that forgives. He's the one that holds on to you and will never let you go. You're being guarded for that salvation that will ultimately be revealed in the last time. It'll be realized fully when we stand before God, justified. You and I have life, and we are guarded by God's power through faith in Christ. Again, I, I want to go back just a moment. That just the right time God sent his son. It is not an accident that you and I are here today. You understand God never gets the address wrong. Ever. And there have been so many times probably in your life or in my life where, where he had the address just right and you're like, oh, I think I'm going to go somewhere else. And you weasel your way out and you, you skip town and you got out of there. You said, oh, I got a different map than you. He doesn't get the address wrong. He's pursuing you. He's making, himself, making you aware of himself right now. And for, for those who have already put their faith and trust in Jesus, remember. Remember what he has accomplished. Remember what he has done for you, that you are now, through faith in Christ, you have life, and you have a hope, and you are part of a family, the family of God. For others who haven't put their faith in Jesus, who haven't believed the gospel, who haven't turned from their own dead idols and dead gods, now today is the day of salvation. John wrote in, in John 1 about Jesus. He says he was in the world, and, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. Today is not the day to not recognize Jesus, to not see him plain and clear. It says he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Let that not be said about you today. That when you left he came to you and you said, I'm not going to receive. But here's the truth. Here's the hope. Here's the promise. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who would believe in his name. We believe. We believe that we are inadequate, that our sins separate us from God. We believe that he is the one who died in a place that we should have died, that he is the ultimate atonement. He didn't die for something he did wrong. He died for what I had done wrong and what you had done wrong. We believe that. We believe that he offered forgiveness to all who would turn from their own idols, turn from their own ways, turn from their own successes, that, he, that we would turn from those and we would believe in him and we would trust him as Savior and we would receive the gift that he wants us to have. That gift is forgiveness. That gift is life. That gift is to make you a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Receive, believe today. It's so important. You turn your heart to God and you cry out to Him and say, God, I need you. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I, I, I need forgiveness. I'm done trying it on my own. And you receive Him as Savior in faith. Would you all stand with me and we're going to pray to the Lord. As we, as we pray, I, I just I, I want our, the attention of our heart focused on Jesus and, and you need to be praying your own prayer as well. Let's pray. Father, I come to you thanking you for who you are. That you are the God that never fails. 
there's so many little g gods that we cling to and idols we cling to and ways that we cling to that do not bring life because they are all dead or they will die. But we thank you that you, although you died and were buried, that you rose victoriously from the grave to conquer death and sin once and for all. God, I, I put my trust in you. My hope is in you. Help me to move any hope I have from myself or from the other things I believe, God, and move it squarely on you. I thank you that you died in my place. I thank you that you made a way for me to be right with God through faith in Jesus. God, I want your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. I need to be made righteous because of Jesus. Lord, we trust you. God, help us to be the best family of, of adopted sons and daughters that we possibly can be. God, we know it's, it's messy to belong to a family, but it's so worthwhile to be united with others under the power of the resurrection. We thank you for this Lord's Day, this Resurrection Sunday, Lord, that we get to celebrate that you triumphed over sin and the grave. And because you live, those of us who have put faith in you will live also. We thank you and we offer you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Listen, we're